0: You're listening to Song Stories. I'm Sophia Bromowitz. In the fall of 2019, I taught a writing class at the University of Virginia called American Roots Music. At the end of the semester, I asked my students to pick a song from the 20th century and tell a story about it. Each writer approached their song with different questions. How are the song's musicians influenced by their setting, by their personal lives, or by their collaborators? How do we as listeners feel different responses to different kinds of music? And where do these feelings come from? What did a song mean then, and what does it mean now? You can hear their answers to these questions and more by listening to their podcasts. Today we're going to hear about the song Irresponsible Hate Anthem by Marilyn Manson. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Zoe Fields.
1: of the punk rock genre like Ramones, New York Dolls, and Talking Heads emerged in the early 1970s as a rejection of the rock and roll mainstream, establishing a zeitgeist of revolution that continues to characterize the punk genre. From its very roots, punk has been about rejecting the set standards in favor of exploring alternative territory. The band Marilyn Manson has been pushing the envelope of punk rock and heavy metal since their very first album released in 1994. However, Their notoriety really gained traction with the release of their 1996 album Antichrist Superstar which was both a critical and commercial success. Antichrist Superstar solidified Marilyn Manson as the surreal horror goth band whose sharp, cunning lyrics and musical complexity has garnered them critical praise and success for many years. The frontman of the band is a talented vocalist from whom the band gets its name, Marilyn Manson. His iconic ghoulish look, complete with dark hooded eyes and a face white as terror, is rebellion against conformity in society, specifically in the music industry. It's like he's saying that even under the layers of money and beauty that successful artists display, everyone has their hidden monsters, their flaws, their imperfections. He's embraced that creature inside and flaunts it right on his skin instead of burying and concealing it under false grandeur. Manson isn't afraid to be unapologetically different. Because of this, his music and image is controversial, and people either tend to hate him or love him. And who can blame the haters? He displays a terrifying visage that screams other, and people tend to be more comfortable blending in with the crowd and instinctually lean away from people that stand out so visibly. However, Manson uses this persona he has created to show people that you don't have to confine yourself to society's standards to be successful. When it first came out, Antichrist Superstar hit number three on the Billboard 200, and he has sold over two million copies to date in the U.S. alone. His appearance and music are both essential parts of his art and his message. When I first began to explore Manson's music, one of the songs that fully embodies this idea of nonconformity and protest is Irresponsible Hate Anthem. As the song begins, the listener is transported right in the middle of a Marilyn Manson concert, surrounded by the wild, echoing cheers of an enraptured audience. The low, apocalyptic droning of the lead vocalist compels the willing fans to start chanting We Hate Love. We Love Hate progressively getting more impassioned and aggressive, as if the fans would do anything to please Nansen's every whim. This power dynamic that is established, of the artist in control of the audience, draws even the listener into the hypnotic chanting as Nansen slowly pulls you into the world of the song. By so effortlessly leading the audience into this chant, Manson exhibits the power that people can attain when they are idolized in order to make a statement about conformity and how people are so willing to follow the crowd in order to be accepted by society. In his music, Manson speaks out against certain toxic aspects of modern society by embracing these aspects to the fullest, over dramatizing their characteristics in order to emphasize how harmful they can be. For example, As the song continues, Manson assumes the role of the all-American, embodying all of the most controversial opinions and problematic traits that are shared by many Americans in order to protest against them. Manson doesn't hold back as he sinisterly murmurs the lines, I am so all-American, I'll sell you suicide, and I am totalitarian, I've got abortions in my eyes. In just the first two lines of the song, Manson calls out two very urgent issues in the lives of Americans, suicide and abortion, both related to death. The chaos of the music, with its shredding guitar and punching drums, coupled with the scream of Manson's voice can really grate on the ears. But a part of the beauty of this song is the power it holds in its meaningful lyrics. There is beauty in how the music has the ability to grab your attention and hold it, rendering you unable to look away, much like the face of the artist himself. However, most of Marilyn Manson's fanbase doesn't listen to his music with the intent to pick apart and interpret his lyrics. A significant segment of Marilyn Manson fans are teens and young adults who want to crank up the stereo and get lost in the wild jungle of rage and rebellion, using his music as a medium through which to vent their emotions. Speaking as someone who is still in the midst of them, the teenage years of one's life are full of confusion and contradiction as people struggle to define who they are and who they want to be, navigating a difficult map of insecurities and awkwardness. Things can become stressful when trying to balance the newfound responsibilities that arise when growing up while still desiring to go out and have fun. Sometimes, teens feel stuck in the monotony of school and work, leading many to feel held back from doing what makes them feel happy. Thus, the desire to rebel against what can seem like an oppressive society is born. Teenagers turn to Manson's music in an effort to express themselves and establish a sense of control in a world that they feel so powerless in. Personally, I never used to understand the appeal of punk and metal, until I realized that my easygoing and optimistic personality allowed me to work within the system in a way that benefited me and made my middle and high school experiences a lot easier for me to deal with. I had friends to confide in when times were stressful, parents who supported my interests, and teachers that actually valued the education of their students. All in all, I am extremely lucky to have had such resources. However. Lots of teens aren't nearly as fortunate and end up battling depression, feelings of loneliness and rejection, when all the trials of growing up end up piling like weights, holding people down. Marilyn Manson's music is cathartic, and teens turn to music like his to vent their frustrations with the world. Manson's music never appealed to me because I never had pent-up angst, and on the rare occasion I did feel overwhelmed or angry. I was content to scribble my feelings onto sketchbooks. Now, however, I do understand how the sentiments conveyed in Manson's music, even when disregarding the lyrics, are essential to people's self-expression. When teens are fed up with the society that they perceive to oppress and contain them, rebellion seems to be the only natural course of action. Ideas of rebellion saturate Marilyn Manson's music as both the origin of its creation and the motif throughout the lyrics. Against a backdrop of heavy drums and sinister guitar, Manson proclaims that I wasn't born with enough middle fingers. I don't need to choose a side. This lyric illustrates his complete rejection of conventionality in his refusal to take a side, whether that might be in politics, religion, or something else. He refuses to align with any specific group and throws his fingers up to show how little he cares about society's constant need to categorize people. This sentiment resonates with teenagers because conformity can be difficult and frustrating to fight. It can be reassuring to know that you don't have to force yourself into categories because people are too complex to be summed up by one group. Music is such a crucial form of expression because it takes feelings that people might not be able to articulate and presents them in a way that validates those feelings, providing a sense of release. Teenagers turn to the cathartic punk rock of bands like Marilyn Manson when they need an outlet for their emotions, whether that be frustration, anger, or to simply jam out. In his art, both musically and visually, Marilyn Manson emphasizes the freedom of nonconformity while calling out many issues in society, like rape and suicide. It is common that teenagers are too insecure about themselves to risk drawing additional attention by being too different. So they rely on music to feel rebellious and liberated people should be empowered to be themselves, even if it's not what they think society expects of them. Teenagers experience a lot of pressure from their parents and their school to be a certain type of person in order to achieve a version of success that seems unattainable. Marilyn Manson demonstrates how one can defy the limits of society's standards and still be successful, embracing the truest version of yourself and doing what makes you happy.
0: In the next segment, we dig a little deeper into this song's story. Zoe Fields will reflect on what she figured out
2: about this song and how she put this episode together. I'm Zoe Fields. I'm a first year here at UVA, and I want to major in biology and minor in dance. I'm a big listener of music. I love all styles. I like trying new things. I like experimenting with what I listen to.
0: Yeah, I noticed in the class that you were always writing about different genres and styles of music, and you picked a really unique song, so I wonder if you could talk about how you chose the song, what the song is.
2: Of course. My process was a little bit convoluted. I kind of traveled down a rabbit hole in order to end up at Marilyn Manson. I started by thinking of concepts of what I wanted to talk about for the podcast, and I started by looking at Dad Rock, something that I know nothing about, and looking up YouTube videos on what that was. And then I traveled to Radiohead, something that I was interested in checking out. And then I ended up at Johnny Cash, um, someone that my dad listens to a lot, and he's played a lot of his music for me. And one particular song caught my eye called Personal Jesus, and I knew that I had seen that somewhere before because I kind of tweaked the timeline of my discovery of Marilyn Manson in my podcast. I had actually found some of his songs earlier, like Personal Jesus. And so I was like, this would be something really cool to dig into. And then I went back to Marilyn Manson and I listened to some of his songs and I kind of dug into his music.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, yeah. Can you tell us about his music for those of the listeners who don't know him and kind of what you were interested in about his music specifically? Sure. So different than Johnny Cash.
2: Very different. That's (laughs) why I was surprised that Johnny Cash covered one of his songs because I listened to both side by side and it's kind of the same vibe, but one is so much more somber and emotional and the other one is just rage and rebellion. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, what Marilyn Manson's music encapsulates. It's that element of nonconformity, of rebellion, of standing out from the crowd, even in a genre where that is already very common. Um, His music is punk rock, it's metal, it's surreal, it's goth, and that's also the image that he has made iconic of his gaudy makeup and severe, almost alien makeup style. And how he presents himself, as I said in my podcast, is just as much a part of his artwork as his music because it all falls under the idea that he's trying to convey that you don't have to confine yourself to society's standards and to conventions in order to be successful. There's not one path for everyone, and freedom of expression.
0: Right. Yeah, and one of the really cool things that you did in this podcast to me is you told this story, but you told it through the kind of lens of the relationship between Marilyn Manson and teenagers, right? Would you talk about that?
2: Yes. Um a large portion of Marilyn Manson's fan base is made up of teenagers and young adults who are in the process of finding themselves and figuring out who they are and who they want to be. And I find that a lot of what Marilyn Manson's music does is tap into those feelings of confusion and like uh, the struggle to find a way to express yourself and just understand and find your place in society. And a lot of people feel confined or repressed um, by conventions that school, you know, parental pressure, the pressure to succeed in a specific way, like going to college, like there's one path that you have to take, gotta make money, gotta have a family, gotta follow these specific steps in order to be happy and be successful and fit into the society that we live in, because we live in a society. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, The teenage years are a portion of one's lifetime that you can really have the freedom, you know, before you hit adulthood, before you get all those excess responsibilities, the freedom to experiment. And that experimentation is in Marilyn Manson's music, if not in the specific wording, but in the feeling that it gives you when you listen to it.
0: Yeah, your podcast does an amazing job of getting that across, I think. Thank you. You're welcome. And... I guess I'm wondering, like, in the process of creating this podcast, did you feel that you were doing any kind of experimenting? Or do you want to talk at all about your research and, like, what you decided to include, what you didn't decide to include?
2: Definitely. So I tried to avoid talking about myself and my personal experience too much because when I wrote the original draft, I really went into other artists that I enjoyed and kind of my personal journey to find Marilyn Manson's music and the relationship that I had with it. But I cut a lot of that out because I wanted the focus to be on his music and on the idea of, you know, nonconformity and the idea behind his music that I wanted to get across. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is one paragraph where I'm talking about how in my personal experience, I was never drawn to his music because... I did not feel that need to vent. I didn't have, I guess, angst a lot um, in high school. And I didn't start getting into his music until my dad exposed me to some other artists. And I found that the sound of rock and punk fit a specific mood. Um, not necessarily one that was negative, but just one when I wanted to jam out um, because jamming out to Marilyn Manson's music is so much fun um, to do. And so I wanted to take a peek behind the curtain of the raucous, you know, drums and guitar and see what his music was really about, like what the intention behind it was.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. I think it's really hard to be able to kind of... Um conjure a feeling through writing. And I think that your writing really did that. And I think like you just picked the right song, you know?
2: Yeah. Though it's interesting because during my research process, I found that the album that Irresponsible Hate Anthem appears on, um, Antichrist Superstar, was actually just his the beginning of his upward trajectory to success. Like that was the stairway up... The roller coaster until his next album, which was I think Mechanical Animals in 1998, that hit number one on the charts, topped number one, stayed on the charts for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And his album after that in 2003 also hit number one on the Billboard Top 200. Um, and I find that so interesting because his music became mainstream. Yeah, his music became so popular. That despite his image, he became mainstream. Yeah. And that's like so contradictory. I found that surprising. But also, there's so many people in this world and so many people have, you know, different tastes in music and a variety of reasons why they enjoy, um, I guess, rock and stuff. The more that I think about it, I'm not that surprised that he found his audience and really tapped into that.
0: Thanks for listening to Song Stories. Song Stories is a member of the Virginia Audio Collective. Listen to the whole series and learn more at virginiaaudio.org.